people sometimes ask me, Josh, do you lose sleep? Do you worry over all this environmental stuff? And I wanted to get across the, the feelings that I don't know if it's special to me. I don't think there's anything special for me about this, but I wanted to share the feelings that I get. I don't know how to put it, being environmental, behaving environmentally in a world that isn't quite there yet. So the other day I was walking out of my apartment. It was a warm day. It's summer and it wasn't yet hot. And I see on the other side of the street, a car that's parked. There's someone in it. The engine is on. All the windows are closed. I presume the air conditioner's on. And I think to myself, this person doesn't need the air conditioner on. It's not that hot yet. If the person just rolled down the window, I think that person would be fine. Now I could have walked over and said something, but I saw no point in that. I'm not going to tell people what to do. And I suspect it wouldn't be productive if I did anyway. I started thinking about the feeling that I had there and what situations I could describe to other people that might describe or that might give them a picture of the feeling that I had. So I thought, imagine yourself in the 50s or 60s in a world where a lot of people smoked, where the Surgeon General would recommend particular brands. You know, if you smoke, try Chesterfields. I don't know exactly the ads. Or also around then, I saw a movie that took place in the 60s and there was a family driving in a car and the car had no safety equipment. There were no headrests. So the, the, the backs of the seats went up to like shoulder blades or maybe the neck. So any tap on the back, there's going to be a lot of whiplash. I don't think that people were wearing seatbelts. And so I think, ask yourself, I presume you're not a smoker. Even if you are a smoker, imagine yourself in the 50s or 60s when the Surgeon General is recommending particular brands of cigarettes. But imagine you go back there and you're not a smoker and people are offering you cigarettes left and right. You're probably going to decline the cigarettes most of the time, maybe all the time. Or imagine... You were back in the 60s and someone offers you a ride in a car that is clearly has no safety equipment in it, that any accident is going to be very dangerous. You'd probably decline the cigarette. You'd probably feel funny about getting in that car, feeling unsafe. You aren't judging people. You aren't saying you're a bad person for smoking a cigarette. I don't think. I mean, that's not how I would feel. I'm not judging a person for having a car without safety equipment in a world where no one has safety equipment but you're probably not going to get in the car. You think twice about it. I predict that the people there will act as if you are judging them, even if you're not. And possibly if you said, I don't want to get in the car because it's not that safe, or you might say, I don't want to smoke that cigarette because cigarettes are unhealthy. There's a pretty good chance that they're going to start giving you statistics to justify why their behavior is okay. Now, if I really want to push it, imagine yourself in Alabama in 1850. How would you feel about someone offering you something made with slave labor or offering you the use of their slave? Imagine you're white in the South in Alabama in 1850. It's funny. I asked a friend about all of these things to imagine being in the 50s or 60s with a car situation or with the, imagine seeing a family putting their children in a very unsafe car. That's kind of how I felt walking past this person with the air conditioner on in weather that didn't really need an air conditioner. I probably wouldn't go over In the 50s or 60s, I would not go over and say that car is unsafe. And I'm not going to go over and tell this person in the car, you're wasting fuel, cooling yourself unnecessarily. I asked a friend to consider these situations. And he kind of would think about the car situation or the cigarette situation. He would not even consider the feeling of being in the South in 1850. It's funny because it's a human feeling. I'm not remotely attempting to equate environmental pollution with slavery, although billions of lives are at stake with the environmental situation, most of them helpless people, and you can do something about it. He would barely consider the feeling of seeing a Surgeon General recommending cigarettes or how he would feel seeing a family getting into an unsafe car. Like most people, when I talked to him about it, he wouldn't consider the feeling. He would talk about 
analysis and planning. He would say what others should do, like, oh, well, we should make cars more safe or we should, but he wouldn't actually consider personal action on his part. He wouldn't consider today the feelings, but those are the feelings that I, I tend to have is imagine, I mean, this is the best way I can explain it. Imagine yourself walking down the street, you look over and you see a very unsafe car and you see a family putting their kids in the car. You probably aren't going to tell them what to do. I don't tell people how to raise their children. Likewise, I don't tell people what to do with their cars. It felt kind of like this person is behind the times. It's not a matter of judgment. I'm not saying I'm better than them or they're worse than me. I'm just saying, I'm just thinking what they're doing is based on an uh, an understanding of the world that I believe is past. Then I hit on the best illustration I found so far while talking with Seth Sheldon, a Nobel Peace Prize laureate. And this is maybe why I like meeting Nobel laureates because they make me think and act near my potential. You'll hear when I post my second podcast episode with him that a lot of times when I'm walking with friends, I'll see litter on the ground and I'll go, oh, I can't believe people do that. I think people might hear judgment in my going, oh, but it's not exactly judgment. It's more missed opportunity. And I used to think it was like someone eating candy when they could eat fruit. But now I've started to think, have you ever seen videos of teenagers who grew up drinking soda their whole lives and their teeth are rotted? I'll link in the online post to videos with the search Mountain Dew Teeth, though I do not recommend watching them before eating or sleeping because they're revolting. People's teeth are, I don't know how to describe these teeth. I think most people describe them as the images or videos would be disgusting or revolting. But now I think that litter or profligate waste is like seeing someone with those Mountain Dew teeth. I don't think a kid who grew up drinking Mountain Dew is bad. I just think that they're missing out on a life that they themselves would consider better if they switched over to not drinking all those Mountain Dew or whatever soda they're drinking. I'm sure that they experience pain. They know that they don't have to drink soda. They know that they can stop, but they don't stop. If you suggest that they stop, I suspect that they would explain why they don't have to, or they will eventually, but they probably when they drink in the Mountain Dew or whatever soda they drink, they're probably not thinking about the rotted teeth, but their teeth are clearly rotted and it's impossible to miss. Just like all this garbage we have all over, litter all over the streets. I don't have to tell you, you've seen the pictures. Everybody knows how much garbage we have in the world. And I think that if you spoke to one of these kids or adults with Mountain Dew teeth, that they would probably sound eerily similar in describing why they keep doing it to what people say about continuing polluting. Of course, there are differences between Mountain Dew and teeth and between pollution and litter and the planet, but I think the similarities are significant and illustrative. I hope that people get like I do, the feeling of when you see litter, it feels like seeing these Mountain Dew teeth and you know that they can do something about their behavior. We can also do something about our behavior. They don't think that they can, but they can. Same with the cigarette smokers, same for that matter, I don't know, what would you do if you were in 1850 Alabama and you were a white slave owner? Would you get rid of your slaves? You could. Would you? I don't know. It's a tough decision. It's a personal decision. I know what I would do. What would you actually do if they're the closest free state? Well, I did that and that was another post that you can look up on my podcast. Anyway, in all of what I'm saying, I'm not suggesting perfection. I don't think people should have to be perfect. We all balance things. We all balance convenience with what we think is uh, a little harder, but we might think is the right thing to do. But I think that every American who chooses to balance, we all have a balance. We're balancing pollution with not pollution. And wherever you found that balance, I'm confident that if you move that balance closer to zero pollution, closer to zero using zero plastic, zero fossil fuels, and other pollution, you will be glad that you moved that balance. Yes, you have a balance now. You can change that balance to somewhere else. Yes, the transition to do that will be hard, but you'll be glad that you do. You'll be glad that you move from whatever the balance is now 
to something with less plastic, less fossil fuel use, less pollution. Just like you know that anyone, however, however much Mountain Dew they drink to get those teeth, you know that they'll be glad when they drink less Mountain Dew, probably when they get to no Mountain Dew. So this is the situation. Imagine living in a world where everyone has Mountain Dew teeth, keeps drinking Mountain Dew, doesn't connect their Mountain Dew drinking to their teeth, and is apparently comfortable with teeth that you would call horrible or disgusting. That teeth that you consider unacceptable, everyone else acts like there's nothing remarkable and they just keep drinking Mountain Dew. You learn to stop suggesting that they stop because doing so just leads them to reinforce why there's no problem. They see you as judging them. You aren't judging them. You just know that they would feel happier with unrotted teeth. You aren't depressed. You aren't losing sleep. You might learn to accept their cultural values about teeth and Mountain Dew, but you probably feel like you want to help them. As long as they resist your help, you try to think of other ways to help them. And that's basically what I'm trying to do, is trying to find other ways to help people achieve the goals that I believe that they hold more deeply than comfort and convenience.